Everyone knows Law Matters was created to open the lines of communication between law enforcement and the community. Over the course of the last year, we have become painfully aware of the very negative headlines national media projected across the country regarding all law enforcement agencies. Over the last several months, and after numerous investigations, we have learned that these negative headlines did not tell the whole story but rather painted a picture designed to diminish the rule of law and those whose job it is to enforce it. Law Matters wants you to hear all the facts so you can decide for yourself. As these investigations conclude, these stories will be featured on our Truth Matters page on lawmatters1030.org website. Now, let's start the show. Good morning, everybody. Thank you for joining us. We have a full studio this morning. We're going to be talking about the air show. But before we get to that, Hal Comfer is on the phone. We're going to be talking about TikTok. Good morning, Hal. Good morning, Sherry. So what's going on with TikTok? Why, why should we be concerned? Well, TikTok is, uh, has ownership in uh, the, the company, uh, has ownership in China. And uh, the FBI came out last week, uh, Director Ray and talked about the vulnerability. This is not something new. This has been talked about for quite some time. And there's been a number of countries around the world, the European Union, uh, India, have imposed a variety of bans on, on TikTok, mostly on government devices like phones, uh, you know, tablets, mobile devices. Uh, and, and the reason why is that TikTok gathers a lot of information. And that's information that the MSS, the Chinese Intelligence Service, can use. And the thing is, that's really changed over the last uh, several years since around 2016, 17 timeframe, is that, that China has a national law that requires all companies in China to cooperate or to serve the uh, Communist Party, the CPP, which in practical terms means that they can all be leveraged for intelligence collection purposes, particularly all their multinational firms. And because of that, uh, it, it, it's, it's been a kind of a sea change in the way that, that a lot of these firms, particularly high-tech firms, firms dealing with software, uh, Internet applications, things like that, have been looked at by law enforcement, intelligence agencies, certainly for counterintelligence. And, and they can collect a lot of things. They can collect personal data, but they can also be used, turned around into influence operations. And that's another thing, and it, it's very subtle and sophisticated, but it, it deals with when, you, when you're on TikTok, what you see, what you look at first when you do searches. And to give you an example of that, the, uh, the big willow drilling uh, thing that was, just, that, that was just approved up in uh, northern Alaska, the big oil field up there, uh, up around the Arctic, very controversial. Well, on TikTok, there was a... Uh, uh, an orchestrated campaign against Willow uh, to try and prevent that from happening. And, and it was kind of a demonstration of just how influential TikTok is as a platform uh, for political uh, for political purposes or for what we call influence operations. And that's another thing China can leverage. So for all of that, that's where I'm saying getting off all government devices. But frankly, the U.S. is following suit with some others saying this Let's get it off of all devices unless they divest, unless the Chinese owners divest themselves of TikTok and, uh, and it can't be used for that purpose. I think any application, apps that you download on your telephone, they're asking for your information, surveys. They want your information. 
I don't do surveys. I don't download apps. <laughs> I don't put my personal info out there as best I can. So I think everybody should just like stop it. Just cut it oh, out. It's, uh, when, <laughs> yeah, you're absolutely right. When you when you download an app, it, it records a lot of things. And of course, one of the things this is kind of interesting. And, and COVID, uh, and it wasn't universally used. But uh, when you download apps, a lot of apps have geolocation information on them. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's one of those things that says, "Can we can we access that?" Well, once that's accessed, uh, it, the app can be used, and and in the and and for commercial purposes. Uh, that's used all the time. For example, if you ever use that Waze uh, app where you can, you know, for driving around, and I'm right. I'm in Los Angeles, so I use it a lot, you know, and uh, it sends you some weird things like through up alleys and not, not quite that bad, but it does sound like that movie L.A. story with Steve Martin. But uh, <laughs> uh, but but what it'll do is you'll, you'll be driving, you'll be driving, and all of a sudden you'll have an ad pop up for a, uh, like a McDonald's or something like that. Well, the app is knows where you are, and so uh, it's telling you pull over, get a burger. <laughs> That's exactly it. And uh, well, there's there's nefarious things that can be done with that as well, and uh, and that's what we're concerned about with uh, with TikTok is that this thing can be manipulated for a lot of nefarious things for intelligence collection and influence operations. But you know, during when the pandemic broke out, and and it was used. I was over in Singapore uh, last year, and you have to download an app when you go into the country, and that was used for uh, contact tracing. And the app would tell you if you came in contact with somebody who was infected, and 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 that was being used in a number of countries around the world, and eventually it was being used here in the United States, although it wasn't as widely as adop- adopted as it was in some other places. Well, that's interesting. I think everybody should just get all those apps off your phone. <laughs> <laughs> Forget about it. <laughs> Stay home. Be safe. <laughs> Thanks for that's calling. <laughs> I, I don't think anybody's going to do that, but that's a great thought. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Thank you for calling in and, and explaining why TikTok is uh, is an issue. I appreciate okay, it. Okay. You bet. All okay. right. Thanks, Sherry. Take care. Bye-bye. Okay. In studio, we have Colonel Mills. He's in charge of everybody at Davis Mountain. We have Chief Counsel. He's not an attorney. <laughs> Everybody thinks that. I thought that. And we'll get to what his job is. And we have Davis Mountain Fire Department. We're up here in New York Mike. Mike <laughs> Riley is here. <laughs> and we also have Randy, who's Colonel Mills' dad. And we want to talk about the air show, things that are coming up for the air show. What can we expect next weekend? Because this is pretty exciting. We haven't had an air show in a while. Absolutely. No, it's uh, it's an extremely exciting weekend, and it'll be jam-packed with all sorts of things. We have so many different performers coming out. The Most notably is the Air Force demonstration team, the Thunderbirds. If you haven't seen the Thunderbirds live, if you haven't seen the precision the the amazing way they maneuver those aircraft, then uh, you are in for a treat. It is an absolutely amazing show. But it's only one component of it. We're also going to have the F-35 demo out there. If you want to hear the loudest airplane that exists today, uh, that is going to be out there, as well as the A-10 demonstration team will be out there as well. We have our newest uh, demo pilot, Captain Matt Johnson, will be flying the A-10 around and, uh, and showing everybody what it can do. I highly recommend earmuffs for everybody, and especially children, because do they, do they have that truck coming that 
blows flames out the back? We do. Yes. Okay. I highly recommend that as well. In fact, uh, <laughs> earplugs. We will have earplugs out there for everyone. However, for small kids, yeah. we recommend not only those uh, those soft, foamy earplugs, but the earmuffs as well. Yeah, absolutely, because it can get a little noisy. It does. It does, in it, fact. And you, you'll be mesmerized by what they're doing in the air, but, you know, you want to protect your ears, too. Okay. Are they practicing out there? Do we they practice? Are. Now, that was, these teams are all professionals, so they actually practice a lot before they come here. However, on Friday, we're doing a little bit of a base event, so you may see over Tucson a lot of the shows going on. It's a chance for the performers to see the airfield, understand the layout of the town, the visual cues that they'll have, knowing where to turn, how to maneuver. Uh, that'll all be going on on Friday. We consider it almost like a little base event. So some of our folks that uh, we have a lot of volunteers throughout the wing and uh, the entire installation at Davis Monthan that are going to come out and volunteer Saturday and Sunday. So Friday, we give them a chance to see the show as well. Okay. I want to, I'm curious about the fire department because yes, ma'am. you guys have to prepare in a different way. You don't prepare the way, you know, like a downtown Tucson fire department prepares or you know, the guys out in the field, like the hot shots, they prepare differently. How do you prepare for an air show? So being a firefighter, ma'am, our, our job is to be prepared at all times, right? So, so, so we prepare not only annually, quarterly, monthly, but also daily. So, so we have our fire department training grounds for that. It's got a bunch of mock-up aircraft. It's got mock-up cars. Um, you practice driver's training. You, we, we have a burn house down there and uh we certainly practice that as well um our our mission as far as aircraft goes is a10 f16 hh60 c130 we're totally prepared on that prepared for all aircraft as well so uh we we have lesson plans of each and every aircraft as well too uh when new aircraft come in be it air show being transient alert we're, we're always out there training on that. So, so so that's how we're constantly prepared, just ready to go at all times. How fast can a fire truck go? You just said, you know, you get out there quick. How fast can a fire truck go? I mean, do you have races? So we <laughs> don't truck have race. races, ma'am, because it's more about safety. Oh, it's okay. like, so uh, we... We still follow speed limits, but, but it's about meeting response times. Okay. So caveat to that is during the air show we're in place 30 minutes prior we we have three it's it's called crash trucks it's like fire vehicles out there ready to go so so if something were to happen worst case scenario where we're ready to go one minute or less extinguishing agent on the fire so very cool okay you said you drive the speed limit if there's a call Yes. Are you allowed to go faster than the speed limit, or will you get a ticket? Well, so there's no tickets, ma'am, but you have to be very aware, too. Um, You have to slow down at intersections, be be aware of flight line speeds, and with with a flight line comes aircraft. So so you you have to be very aware of that as well, too, because even in the event of an emergency, they they still have that right away. So so you, you have to be in constant communication with that as well too yeah they're so. bigger than you are too correct yeah. yeah that makes sense and moving faster than a speeding fire truck <laughs> as well. yeah, yeah, yeah. yes sir 
Okay. I know people are going to want to come out there. They're, should they bring a cooler? Should they pack a lunch? Should how? What should they do? We're going to have a lot of uh, food vendors out there for everyone. I do encourage you sunscreen. It is Tucson. Uh, we will have some covered areas as well. We've got some areas for kids to hang out, some areas where uh, kids can run and play as well. If they are maybe not as interested in the show or it gets a little, to be a little bit too loud, they're going to be an area to be able to take them as well. Um, no need for really coolers. We're going to have everything out there for them. We just want everybody to come out and have a great time. Okay. What don't you want people to bring? To so. <laughs> <laughs> don't be cute and funny. Don't bring like so, your firearms, firearms. Um, knives, weapons, hand grenades, toys that resemble weapons. Yes. Um, of course. It says walking canes too, but medical walking canes are allowed. Do, do, just not homemade sticks or hiking sticks like that's that's not allowed in there um can't can't bring alcohol in there you know can't bring drugs or anything like that and any large coolers correct me if i'm wrong sir you that's right you cannot bring that either so don't bring your cooler full or whatever okay usually in stadiums you can't bring like a large purse i wouldn't Mm -hmm. be able to bring this in small purses are allowed do they have to be clear no a stadium bag. No, it's it's. But a it'll make your stadium. life a lot easier if you use a stadium bag. <laughs> it will be. And a lot of questions folks have are, you know, how am I going to get onto the base? And the the best part about the air show is you're just going to drive on. Uh, there, there's no barrier to entry. We want folks to come out and participate and to enjoy the air show as well. And things like a large cooler. If you think about, if you left that in your car, then it's perfectly fine. If you wanted to leave a, a cooler full of of water, if you wanted to do that, you can certainly carry around law, small portable items, um, but as we were talking to you, as long as it's not a, a safety issue, then we're totally great with it. Are there going to be vendors out there where they can, you know, buy things or? Absolutely. Not just buy food and drinks, but buy, buy different uh, sort of different paraphernalia like and t-shirts, t-shirts, and hats. Uh, I know all one year they had an uh, author out there who had written a lot of books. He had his books out there. That That's was cool. Great. We'll have a lot of the performers out there available as well. So you can meet them and then walk around their aircraft. Oh, Cool. Can you get in the aircraft go for a test run? <laughs> so, not a test run. No? Uh, if you can, if you can find the keys, then uh, it's yours. That's, uh, that's the deal. <laughs> but they will be watching you. Okay, I know um, Dana, who is chief consul. Yes. Okay, tell us what your job is and what got you involved with the military. And I want to hear all about this youth program. So good morning. Thanks for uh, that question. So uh, my name is Dana Council. I am the chief. I'm a chief mass sergeant and the command chief over at the 355th wing. So pretty much my job is, is I act as the Robin to the boss's Colonel Mills Batman. And I give him <laughs> advice on taking care of the enlisted folks and pretty much the 5,000 plus folks uh, listed, listed in officer folks on uh, Davis Mounted Air Force Base. So I came in the military in 1994, uh, core security forces, uh, security police back in the day. Uh, that's a law enforcement official for the military. And um, from that point, I've been serving for 29 years. So, wow. yes, long time. But you don't every even minute look 29 years old. <laughs> well, thank you. Oh, that's what I tell him. <laughs> I'll accept my flowers. Um, but anyway, so that's enough about me. So what I really want to talk about is this wonderful program called the Arizona Youth Impact Program. So its founder is Ricky Ellison. He's a former um, college football player at the University of Arizona and also for the professional, former professional football player in the NFL for the San Francisco 49ers and Oakland Raiders. Um, 
two, three-time Super Bowl champion. So wonderful individual, created this program about three, four years ago. And I'm happy to say that Davis Monta was the first Air Force base um, in the Air Force total to partner with Ricky Ellison to do this program. So we partnered with the University of Arizona, the student athletes there, as well as some professors and uh, teachers within the Tucson area. And we focused on helping 10 to 14 year olds, middle age, middle school, I'm sorry, middle school <laughs> students uh, to give them some STEM skills and even more importantly, uh, the student athletes to do physical training with them. And lastly, but not least, our Air Force professionals, NCOs, senior NCOs, to give them discipline and mentorship during the program. Typically, it's two weeks. This is our third year doing it. And I'm also excited to announce, uh, typically we do just boys, but this year we will also do a separate program for the young ladies uh, later in July. So first program will start for the boys in April. And then shortly thereafter, it will be in July for the young ladies. So it's an awesome program. How nice. can people get in touch with you on that program? Uh, they can contact me through the Davis Method uh, Air Force Base Facebook page. Also, afterwards, I can give you my contact information as well so they can uh, So I can put it on our website? Yes. Yes, ma'am. Okay. Are you uh, part of FCA? <clears throat> I'm sorry, say again? FCA, A-F-C-E-A, FCA, Air Force something or other communications and they have a stem program that's why mm. Mm. no i don't i know we're no. gonna talk after the show okay yeah, yeah. i look forward to See? it you're in trouble now that's great so <laughs> what got you involved in the military i actually it's uh the young man sitting to my right my dad he uh he was in the military and to be honest uh not not a bright kid growing up i looked at it as really the only job out there it's amazing you know i when i would hear other folks uh other people talking about what their parents did. I never understood that there were other jobs out there. I just thought that, that of course you go into the military. Of course I would go into the Air Force. And as I grew up, obviously I determined there there were other things to do, but uh, I had always seen that as, as simply what I wanted to do. And it, yeah, I'm lucky that I got that opportunity to be able to serve and to, to be in as long as I have. And um, I really enjoyed that opportunity, whether it was, you know, growing up in the Boy Scouts, doing things where I could serve the local community. And now I feel like I can move that on and serve um, the nation. Was your dad in the Air Force? He was. He's a retired colonel, uh, retired after 30 years uh, in 1999. I'm sorry, 2000, 1999? 1999. Okay. <laughs> All right. What got you involved with the fire department? Mike? So, funny story, when I came in in 1996, um, my my family's from law enforcement, and uh, that was my first choice. Um, I, I came in what was called Open General. Um, they they didn't have any jobs then, so so they they put me in fire. Fast, fast forward twenty seven years, and I'm doing this now, and I love it. And you're still and, on um, fire. And yes, ma'am. And then serving four years, well, it was the best four years of my life, and the best decision I could have made. So. What branch were you in? Air Force. Okay. No Marines here. <laughs> <laughs> I do have a nephew who's a Marine, so we have a, okay. as well as my grandfather was a Marine. So we, we all go. branches are great. They are. Yeah. They are. And I think everybody should be required to serve in some capacity. How do you feel about that? <laughs> uh, I'm, a, I'm a big believer in service. I think that uh, I think that every member of the United States has a, has a requirement to serve in some way. And I think, you know, as we talked about before, sometimes people equate service to wearing a uniform. And that's, 
that is absolutely not true at all. We we all are given an ability to serve in some way, whether it's servicing in, within our local communities, within our states, or to the entire nation. There's a variety of different ways, and I would encourage everyone, whenever you're thinking to yourself, what can I do? Well, all you have to do is open your eyes and look around you. Look around the city of Tucson. There's hundreds of ways that you can serve today. Hundreds of ways that you can help out someone who's less fortunate than you. Help hundreds of ways where you can help the entire community. Uh, so I'm a big believer in service. I think that we we all should strive to serve uh, because that's the greatest goal we can have is to to serve others and and forward along not only the community in the state but the nation. Yeah, you don't want to just sit on your sofa and complain. You want to get your butt out there and make a difference. That's right. And I think it's important for everybody to do some service. Absolutely. And it's good resume builder if you're a youth. <laughs> it is. You know, people need to think about that. We have an internship program here on the radio show. And, you know, getting Saturday morning youth, 8 o'clock, uh-uh. So mm. <laughs> it's, it's hard to get people to understand that, hey, this is something that's good for your future. You need to get involved. That's right. Somehow. So what else can we, I, I want to talk more about the A-10s. Okay. If, if you're okay with of that, course, sure. I know they're they're like discontinuing it or retiring. Uh, divesting it, is is the, is the word. The right word, absolutely. Okay. No, I grew up in A10 pods. So I've flown the A10 since 2001. Um, deployed in it multiple times. So it's the first aircraft I flew. I then I transferred over to the F35, and now I'm back uh, as a qualified pilot in the A10. And what do you do? <laughs> the what I do in the A10? Yeah. Oh, so many things. It's an amazing <laughs> aircraft. It's. Uh, uh, I've done a lot in it, and uh, I've I've loved every minute of it. I've loved every hour that I've logged in the airplane. The airplane itself is focused on a mission called close air support. So close air support is when the Army or the Marines or the Navy or other Air Force ground troops uh, have to move and take land, take territory. Uh, that movement is supported by aircraft, and we do that by, number one, providing air superiority, number two, providing suppression of enemy air defenses, and number three, providing close air support to those troops on the ground. If you haven't been to an air show and, and watched how the A-10 will... Re- are they going to do that demonstration where they rescue somebody on the ground? They, they are. Show how Thank you so done? much for reminding me. I think that I'd, uh, I'd gotten so in trouble without bringing that impressive. up. impressive. I was just in awe. It is. It's uh, it's important to note that the, the combat search and rescue team, I always call it, you know, our mission at, at Davis-Monthan is just two words, rescue and attack. And rescue is far more than just a battle cry. You know, if you end a a discussion with rescue, you can end it by, by saying rescue. And it's just, it's a reminder. It's a reminder of a promise that if you are a U.S. service member and you are, you become isolated in any way, that we have a team of specialized individuals who are going to knock down every wall and every barrier between us and them. And we're going to go get them back and bring them home. And that promise is inherent in every member of the rescue team. And what you described, the aerial demonstration that you're going to see is a full complement of the entire rescue team, of which the A-10 is just one small component of. It's made up of multiple different aircraft that form the entire rescue team. You're going to see HH-60 helicopters. You're going to see the HC-130, and you're going to see our combat rescue airmen, uh, our pararescuemen, exiting the HH-60 and going and picking up that downed aircraft. So you're going to see the full team out there. It's it's amazing it really to watch is. them it is. and it's it's so they're trained so much that it's just like second nature they they react they don't you know it's not like gee what should i do now they're not thinking about it they're doing it that's right and it's you gotta go everybody needs to go to the air show that's right 
Not to mention all the civilian performers. You've got the Red Bull uh, aircraft coming out. We've got... uh, They have an airplane. They do. They put on (laughs) quite an impressive show. Uh, We have tons of civilian performers coming out that are just going to put on an extremely entertaining show. both days. Uh, if, If someone's asking themselves, you know, which day should I go? They're both great. I would... Whatever day makes sense for you, that's the day to go. Is it the same show both days, or is it a continuation? It's it, There will be minor variations in the show schedule, but for the most part, you're going to be able to see both shows. Okay. I would see the same show both days. Both days. Yeah. And what time does it start? 11 o'clock, man. Thank you so much. <laughs> yes, Checking my watch. Yes, sir. Get out there early. <laughs> 11 o'clock. So... Civilians can get onto the base, what, an hour ahead of time? No, I believe we're opening the gates around 7 to 8 a.m. Oh, really? Yeah, very early. So you can get a good seat. You can. Not yeah. that sitting on your roof, too, is a good seat. <laughs> I've done that. Absolutely. There's great seats all over Tucson, but if you want the best seat in the house, absolutely you have to go come to on DM. base. That's right. Do, one year they had the um, plane that was called a Stealth. I did. The F-117? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> It was shaped like a diamond. That's it. Or a triangle. Yes. Okay. Is that going to be there? No, I don't. I don't think we have an F one seventeen this year. We do have the F thirty five, which, when you talk about stealth, what you're really describing is the an attributes of an airplane, and the F thirty five has that. If you've never seen an F thirty five up close, it is a beautiful, beautiful aircraft. You've got to come see it up close. The F F one seventeen was sort of the the originating idea behind it, but the F thirty five is the the most technologically advanced aircraft on the planet by far. Uh, and it's it's a shot. It's a far cry more beautiful than the F one seventeen. Okay. No offense, F one seventeen. I was going to say no <laughs> opinions <laughs> here, right? Okay, we're going to take a quick break, and we'll be back in a few. Law Matters Live Show opens the lines of communication between you and law enforcement. On our next show, ATF Special Agent in Charge Iber joins our conversation. Hi, this is Sherry asking you to help sponsor our mission by contributing to Law Matters on GoFundMe.com. Every dollar counts, and together we can back the blue while we keep the conversation going. Law Matters podcast can be found on iTunes, Google Play, and LawMatters1030.org. Hello, everyone. Sheriff Mark Daniels here. The Cochise County Sheriff's Office wants to remind you we will never call you about a warrant for your arrest. Scammers use fear tactics to get into your wallet. Some red flags to look for. Number one, when the caller is creating a sense of urgency. For example, you need to take care of this right now because deputies are on their way to arrest you. Number two, when they ask you to pay with gift cards. And number three, as I said before, the Cochise County Sheriff's Office will not call you about an outstanding warrant. Scammers are creative and sometimes spoof actual sheriff's office numbers and use real deputies names if you feel you have been a victim of a scam contact local law enforcement immediately keep up with the latest scams at the cochise county sheriff's office social media pages stay alert and stay safe cochise county daylight is fading and the temperature is dropping you're not only cold hungry and lost in a densely wooded area you're injured time is of the essence Sarsi is a highly trained team of dedicated volunteers who work closely with Pima County Search and Rescue to help people in critical situations just like this. To join an exclusive team of heroes, go to sarsi.org. That's S-A-R-C-I dot org. We need your knowledge, experience, and of course, your generous spirit. Thanks 
for staying with us. In the studio, we have Chief Consul, we have Colonel Mills, we have Randy, and we have New York Mike with Fire Department at DM. And we're talking about the air show and things that are going on with the air show. But I want to I want to address something because I remember at 9-11, mm-hmm. I, I was in Tucson at that time, and I remember laying in bed, hearing wave after wave of aircraft leaving and wondering, what can I do? How can I help? What difference can we make? The world's a funny place. If we find ourselves in a situation, what can Tucsonans do to help and support Davis Mountain? Well, I take that back to the idea of service again, is that uh, as a nation, I think we all should serve. There's a there's a need out there for us all to have a little skin in the game, to understand what our role as U.S. citizens, what that role means. And I think inherent in, in that role is service. So when the United States needs anyone's assistance, whether that's from the armed services or us as a, as a community and as citizens, I think the, the underlying ask is service. And not service in the way of putting on a uniform, like we said before putting on a uniform isn't the only way to serve. In fact, it's it's one very narrow way. There are thousands of other ways to serve. And what I would ask is that the same thing we said before, that look around your local communities. Look around for ways to serve. There are ways. There are plenty of organizations that need your help. They need it today. Uh, give them a call. Give who a call? Any, any of the organizations. I have, uh, I have a like list. Like can somebody call DM and say, hey, I want to help. What can I do? We we have some local service opportunities that, that folks could come help out. Not very Give many. Give me an example. Um, we do trash pickups around the base itself and around our the the local perimeter. Mm-hmm. Uh, they can certainly help out with that. We also we partner with a lot of off base uh, organizations. We have we are extremely thankful for our civic partnerships that we have across the the entire city of Tucson. Uh, not just with the city council or with Pima County but with local organizations that are made to support Davis Monthan, like the DM-50. Uh, and Law Matters. And Law Matters, absolutely. <laughs> uh, the Military Affairs Committee, the Desert Thunder Squadron, all, all groups that, uh, that really help out the base in a lot of ways, and that provide great service to the community as well. And I would encourage anybody who, who's not really familiar with what goes on at DM, there's an application you can fill out to be an honorary commander, and they will attach you to one of their, is it called unit? What are they called? You can say a unit. A unit would be kind of a, a nondescript term, but we put you in charge of specifically a squadron. You are the honorary commander for the squadron. It's a great program. It is a great program, but don't think that, like I tried to send everybody home for the day, have take a day <laughs> off, and it didn't work. So, But I learned so much. Um Touring the Boneyard, they don't like it called that. What do they call it? It's AMARC. It's, uh, see, well, because I think the Boneyard is only a small component. It's what you can see out there. That's, you know, it is a place where sometimes we'll store aircraft, but it, it, that undercuts really the, the large maintenance and different kind of growth that they're going out there. So the, the mission out there has changed a lot in the last few years. No, it's, it's really an impressive thing. And it is. get involved with, you know, be an honorary commander. Help your command. I would take mine out to breakfast or lunch. We go out to the, the picnic ground and, you know, get picnic food and just hang out and talk and see what they need. Yeah. Help them out. I know they appreciated that. Our part of the, the honorary commander program is really to to reveal or unveil Davis Monthan and the military to the city of Tucson. We don't want Davis Monthan to be seen as a mystery. add-on or a mystery. That's <laughs> yes, right. Mystery. We don't want there to be the smoke and mirrors. We want people to see 
this space for what it is. We want it to understand exactly what we do. And more than that, we want to be seen as an integral part of Tucson, a, a partner, uh, absolutely a citizen of Tucson, not an add-on. Yeah, we definitely support each other we do. in the community effort. But, you know, there's things that you can do that are more hands-on, and I encourage everybody to do that. And that application is on that website, right? It is. Our Davis Monthan, uh, our main website, has a lot of links to ways you can help out as well. And Chief Counsel mentioned the Facebook page as well. And how do uh, youth apply for the program you're talking about? So there will be a sign-up sheet uh, on the Facebook website strictly around Arizona Youth Impact Program. Uh, like I said, we're in the beginning of picking uh, mentors as well as teachers and the athletes to sign up. So we're still in the planning phases, but it should be coming around coming out around mid-April. So I think if, if you link up with the Davis Moffitt uh, Air Force Base page, uh, we can forward all those different types of uh, folks who want to be involved in to the right people, uh, such as Mr. Ricky Ellison and Cedric Steptoe from University of Arizona. Very cool. Does the fire department have a youth program? Um, so there's no youth program per se, but but we do have a starbase program, which which they'll they'll come by about once a week or once a month. They'll 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 come by with school age kids, and we'll show them the trucks, we'll show them the turrets, we'll show them the gear, uh, we'll sh- we'll we'll show them the hand lines. So so our our doors are always open. For, so the for schools that, that aren't on base can actually Correct. come over. Yes, ma'am. So mm-hmm. how would they get in touch with you? So so they you usually have a POC that'll just reach out via email and say, Hey, he does this POC, date, this time point works. of contact. Point of contact, yes. Well <laughs> a lot of acronyms. <laughs> so um yes, and she'll she'll be in touch. She'll she'll say, Hey, does Thursday at ten thirty work and nine out of ten it always works. Because we're all about bringing the community in and just showing them how things work. That's good. Everything is, is like wide open. How do people um, get involved with the Air Force as far as recruiting? Are you recruiting? Of course. The Air Force is always recruiting, as are all the other services, and uh, the best folks to talk to about that are our recruiting offices in town. Uh, so they don't go to the base and say, hey, I want to sign up? They don't. They can. Uh, <laughs> we, we would direct them back to the recruiting office. The recruiting office is filled with, and this is this is not uh, localized to the Air Force. This is across all the branches. They're filled with some of our, our finest airmen, soldiers, sailors, Marines, to talk about the services, to talk about the opportunities the services provide, and give all the information so that anyone who's interested in joining can make the right decision for them. So when you think about recruiting, oftentimes people think of it as, uh, a car salesman. Hey, you know, check out this brand new Ford. You're going to love it. Uh, the the recruiting <laughs> services are not there to sell anything. The recruiting services are there to to open the door and show all of the amazing opportunities uh, that you can have through the military. I think of uh, you know I, I get dressed to, in, in a flight suit in most days, and I feel like I'm wearing pajamas to work. I get to go fly. Uh, I get to go bomb things and shoot you an incredibly powerful things, gun. Yeah. Uh, and that's the job that the Air Force uh, outlined for me. And it's been amazing. And our recruiting services, they'll show you all of the different ways that you of what you can do in the military. And again, I can only speak from one sector. That's the pilot side. Boy, there are thousands of things you can do in the Air Force and in the military writ large that are just these amazing opportunities and jobs. And if you bring a skill to the table, that's great, but they will train you. Oh, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Uh, I did not show up as a pilot. I uh, did not understand the first thing about 
flying or anything about it. And our training programs are the best in the world. And when you retire from the military, you can take that skull with you. That's right. And, you know, use it wherever. I'm, I'm understanding that the airlines are really in need right now. <laughs> <laughs> can you have another job while you're with the Air Force? It depends. Uh, in some areas you can, in others you can't. So it's, that's a better question for a recruiter to really dig into what are you interested in doing, and they can outline kind of where those rules apply. Okay. Uh, so but, you don't have to know how to drive a boat. No, so what, the easiest way to think about it are the three areas of service. You can be active duty, which is sort of a full-time. Chief Counsel and I are active duty military, meaning we serve full-time uh, in the military. We also have National Guard and reserve opportunities. Okay. Now, those are opportunities where uh, you can have another job and serve in the military. Now, I don't want to call it on the side because it's the military is always going to be kind of a full-time thing, but... Don't you have to, if you're reserved, don't you have to go to training like once a month? You do. There are various uh, requirements both for the Guard and the Reserve. Uh, What's the difference? I always thought <laughs> they were the same. They are a little bit different. Again, that's that's better question for the uh, for the recruiting services. I would tell you it's a little bit of who you work for. The National uh, Guard is a, is a service arm of the governor for each state versus the Reserves are a, a reserve component of the force itself. So if something happens, they call the reserve. They don't call the National Guard. Uh, they, we you, still, you would call the reserve. Uh, it depends on the situation. We do have reserve units on base. We also have guard units. So we, we have a lot of folks on Davis-Monthan. So it's a great tour of everything that the Air Force at least has to offer on Davis-Monthan. I didn't learn everything while I was honorary commander. <laughs> I missed a few classes, apparently. That's right. So, <laughs> that's okay. So your experience, where have you been? Around the world, where have you been? So, actually, I spent, I've been in 29 years, as I said before. I spent about 13 years overseas uh, between Korea, Japan, and, and Germany. Most of my tours was in Japan. So, as far as stateside bases, Montana and New Mexico and uh, Joint Base Andrews and uh, D.C. Do you get to pick where you go? Yes and no. Mostly Air Force needs comes first, but the Air Force is is good as far as trying to match the needs of the military member with the needs of the Air Force. So it's a, I would say yes and no. Did you pick Tucson? Oh, I, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> My wife and I, Wendy, fell in love with um, with Arizona after our tour in Japan, and we decided to retire here in Phoenix. And then when I went to the desert after that for a year, and I was lucky to get hired for this job, fell in love with Tucson, and the plan was to retire here. But nah, the Lord had different plans, so someone so had to put that on hold. Where are you going to retire? Uh, <laughs> we don't know. Depends on what the Lord says. But we were, we were going to retire here, but now we're going to San Antonio for another assignment. So I'll stay another two years, and then we'll see what happens after that. Where are you going to retire? <laughs> it's funny you mention that. Uh, if you'd asked me a decade ago, I would have said out here. My wife and I love it as well. We we love the uh, northern Arizona, Las Vegas type area. That's the kind of the area we've spent the most in the military. And then we found a small lake in North Carolina, Lake Gaston, that we uh, became kind of home for us. So that's where we're going to retire someday. So where all have you been in your tour? Of all duties? over. <laughs> now I was a military brat growing up, so we used to we moved around quite a bit as well. But we've done uh, a lot of time in Korea, uh, and then across the U.S., and then of course, just based on the timeline, I've spent a lot of time in the Middle East as well. Oh, that sounds like fun. <laughs> <laughs> just like home. 
The mic, where have you been? So, yes, ma'am, this is my second time here, actually, and I liked it so much the first time around. I came back, and I've been here for 20 years in December. Oh, back, great. Oh. Back again. Were you a firefighter in New York? No. Uh, no. That's that's once I joined the Air Force, that's that's when I became that's a firefighter. Yes. Yes, and, ma'am. And you're here permanently. You're not going anywhere, right? Correct. So could do they have the opportunity if or they willing. wanted to to send you someplace else? Um, no, so so that's basically on me, and we're where so I I can actually apply for jobs, but but okay. but I don't have that desire to because I love it here so much, you know. So um, that, that that's how the DOD side works for the civilians. So okay. so we apply versus filling out a dream sheet, like Chief Counsel was alluding to. Dream sheet, dream sheet. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, good call. So 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 I, I was in South Korea for a year as well. That's Osan Air Base. Okay. Um, I was at Pope Air Force Base in Fayetteville, which is now run by Fort Bragg. Okay. These days, which is Army, and then I was at Seymour Johnson as well, which is in Goldsboro. Does the air show have their own emergency, like firefighter people that travel with them? No, we have safety observers that travel with the show, but the each individual location, uh, our team here will be the primary in terms of our fire and response. Now, we also work together with the city of Tucson and Pima County. In fact, just days before this, we did a mock-up of what would happen if we had an accident during the air show, and we... We practice exactly how the communication is going to run, how our emergency actions are going to unfold, how, what teams are going to maneuver and where, so that we can make sure that if something bad were to happen, we can move to not only protect the crowd and the environment, uh, but those personnel involved in the accident. So emergency or safety people that travel with them, what do they do? Do they look at the airplanes or do they look at what people are doing? They do. Think of them as a safety observer in two ways. They, they start as a safety observer for just looking at the airplane. They provide uh, maintenance and other types of support, making sure that aircraft is ready to go. Additionally, during the show, they're watching and they have special specific cues to understand where the aircraft is in space and understand if the performer has entered into an area where it's a little bit more dangerous or if there's a conflict between two aircraft that are out there. They can see that coming a little ways in advance and alert the other aircraft to maneuver as necessary. I was going to ask you about that aircraft. You're in the air. We've got an airport right over here. And, do. and you're here. You're doing an air show. How does that affect the incoming and outgoing aircraft from Tucson? We have a great relationship with uh, Tucson International Airport. In fact, the the schedule there will not be affected at all. Uh, the good news about you know, I-10 and some of the washes that are out there, they provide great geographical lines for our pilots that are flying to follow and to remain clear of their airspace. Okay. So... No effect they've, whatsoever, yeah. You won't they've got it under down. control. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Everything Should have led with that. <laughs> we have everything under control. Not to worry. <laughs> okay. I want to talk about some of the other things. We've got a whole list of things on this page to talk to talk about, and we only have a little bit of time left. How does being in the military affect your family, your personal life? <laughs> That's okay. a great, you know, Silence. growing up in the military, uh, I would tell you it builds resiliency. Uh, when I was younger, we moved about every three years, uh, which for me provided the opportunity to uh, always go someplace new, meet new people. Uh, as a, an introvert myself, I would tell you that being outgoing is not is not the step one for me. It's not how I gain energy. After a day of being very extroverted, I need time to regroup and recharge. But the ability to do so 
comes from moving around a lot and being put in new situations all the time. Uh, I have two sons who have done amazing uh, over the course of my career. We have moved them a lot, sometimes as short as less than one year living in one place. And they've both just been absolutely incredible. I'm very proud of both of them. Uh, one is living out right outside of Raleigh, just doing amazing. And the other one is here getting his MBA. Yeah. But they, they've never lived anywhere longer than about three years. And so movement is what they know. And what they know is how to immerse themselves in a new situation and, and grow from there. How has it affected your life? Uh, only thing I would add, in addition to what Colonel Mills said, it does build a resiliency and grit. Uh, I guess I will... Use an example of my wife, Wendy. I mean, being in 29 years, 12 different assignments, she's got a, a wealth of different talents that she that she has in order to gain employment. But it has been a challenge at times. You know, when spouses move, they go and they support the military member. So every time we move, they have to start over in, in most respects, uh, depending on the location. And then not, not only that, add into going overseas, you know, not knowing the language, starting a new household, and then let's not even talk about deployments. You know, when a military member deploys, usually, you know, the spouse stay behind and yeah. take care of the kids and stuff. But one of the great things about uh, the Air Force and the military in general is they provide all types of different resources to help shepherd them through those different things, such as uh, mental health counseling and uh, military family readiness center and things of that nature. But I will tell you, my experience has been uh, phenomenal. Um, like I said, I have two boys, too. I have a 28-year-old who's in San Antonio, Texas, with my two grandkids, uh, working for Amazon, doing a great job there. And I'm proud to say my youngest is also serving in the Air Force, although he's not a security policeman. Huh. He is a supply troop, but uh, he's been in for about eight years, currently a staff sergeant stationed in Guam. So, wow. yeah. Well, I imagine when it comes to moving, your wives probably know how to pack and unpack huh. in record time mm-hmm. <laughs> and yeah. get rid of the unnecessary stuff. True. That's that's pretty amazing that you have to move that. You take all your household with you. It's pretty much. every time. Yep. That's insane. Did you have that experience too, Mike? Uh, yes, ma'am. And then be, being that I work for the Air Force and with, with the Air Force personnel as well, I... I see that firsthand as well and what they do and what they go through and i i Hats appreciate that 100 percent. so absolutely so what does your wife do what does wendy do so she works at the military family readiness center so she does spouse employment she also uh does casualty affairs there so she's been with the military family readiness center for about three to four years between two assignments so she works with spouses also shameless plug for the heroes for hire program uh, it's a program outside of the military family readiness center where she helps um spouses uh, gain employment in the local tucson area and you know what yeah tucson businesses in tucson need to understand that when these people transfer in and out their wives or partners want mm-hmm. to be working and you couldn't find better qualified people than the spouses of these military. That's very true. It's something we don't often talk about is the unemployment rate across uh, military spouses, which is exceedingly high, upwards of 20%, whereas the national average is somewhere in the 6% range. So we, it's, a, it's an identified issue that things like certifications, reciprocity between states, these are things that are the senior leaders in the Air Force and in the military writ large are trying to do to help spouses not only gain but maintain employment 
across the board. And uh, our military family readiness center does an amazing job doing that. And Wendy is uh, really doing great things to help our spouses locally here find employment. Yeah, people need to understand that you can get certified in one state, but that doesn't necessarily translate to a different state. And it would be a lot easier if they would acknowledge, at least for the military-wise, acknowledge each other's certifications. The good news is that's actually growing across the nation uh, in different pockets throughout, whether you're on the East Coast or the West Coast. There's reciprocity between states for specific certifications. Uh, Some of them are a little bit tougher than others, but a lot of your your medical certifications and other things like that are looking to cross state lines now to where you can go to a different assignment and maintain that certification. That's good. I'm glad to hear that because it it didn't used to be that way. I had certifications and I moved here and it was like, what do you mean I have to start over? (laughs) You know, so that can be very frustrating for a person like Groundhog's Day every time you move, right? (laughs) Starting from scratch, I think is what it feels like. You're just starting over. So back to the air show. Gates open at what time? (laughs) I'm so sorry for anyone that heard earlier. It's uh, the gates open at 9 a.m. and the show starts at 11. And after the show... People are expected to leave right away. That's right. Don't and, hang out. <laughs> it's when once the show is they over, will find you. We'll have an end time, and then we'll uh, we'll vacate. Now, a lot of people are worried about the traffic. I would tell you that we've we've learned a lot of great lessons over the last few years, and we now we independently hire a company to come in and help bring the vehicles on, and then get them off in an expedient manner. Last year, we had some uh, some great results. Or last time we did one, we had some great results where folks were to their cars and off base and clear in the neighborhood of 15 minutes. So wow, just kind of unheard of. Think yeah. of leaving a large sporting event and to the worst part of your day is leaving that parking lot. Well, we're working hard to make sure that's not the worst part of your day. Yeah. I never run to my car to try to get out that's because right. everybody else mm-hmm. ran faster than I did. <laughs> and I'm stuck behind. So take your time. The heritage flight, they come to Tucson every year. They do. To get certified. One of those things that they have to do every year to qualify or get certified? What's it called? Certify. We okay. certify them, our demo pilots. Okay. That's not always open to the public, is it? It, it isn't. A, uh, it's not an open to the public. However, the air show itself is visible across the entire city. So you can kind of see the entire thing without coming on base. The air show itself is specifically designed to uh, showcase some of, our, some of the older legacy aircraft, the uh, Warbirds from World War II, as well as give uh, an opportunity for our demonstration pilots to certify for the commander of ACC, General Mark Kelly, to allow him to make sure yep, they are performing in a safe manner, in a way that's consistent um, with what we want from our demonstration pilots. Again, our most recent, Captain Mad Johnson, she was just certified uh, this this past heritage. We're extremely proud of her, and we can't wait to see her this show season. So some of those planes are going to be... Here right. this weekend? the Not the uh, World War II planes, the A-10 demonstration team, right. as well as the F-35 demonstration team that were both at Heritage will be here. Yeah, and, and another reminder, ear protection That's right. for everybody, mm-hmm. especially That's kids, right. especially kids. And the Heritage flight is every year. The air show is every other year. That's right. And on those off years, it's up at Luke. That's right. We typically share it with Luke Air Force Base. So if it's not going on in Tucson, it's going on up at Luke. But ours is better. <laughs> oh, yeah, much better. See? There you go. <laughs> I knew you'd say that. <laughs> so what else can we do to help you do your job and protect us? What kind of partnership? Name some of the companies that you, you work with in in. Arizona and Tucson? Well, we don't necessarily work with companies. We work with organ- local service organizations. But the DM50 is one of the, the largest that we have. 
We have the Desert Thunder Squadron, the Military Affairs Committee. We work with uh, the Air Force Association, AFA, locally here. And we provide support. Uh, they provide support to the base. Uh, so those organizations are absolutely amazing. They do such a tremendous job supporting the base. And and what, what we try to do is be a good partner in that, be a good partner with the city of Tucson and uh, with all the members of that city. So if you want to get involved with one of these organizations, they put together like care packages that get sent to wherever the bases are around the country? They do. And the, the, Now, if you're looking for care packages, there's a lot more organizations out there. And I would just Google care packages for military Tucson and you'll find a list of them. A list of them. That's Everybody right. that gets involved. That's right. And just let's go over this. When you're uh, putting together a care package for somebody who's deployed, I heard that you're not supposed to use anything like toiletries that have scents to them, like they smell like coconut or cherries or whatever. They're not supposed to put anything that has any fragrance in them. Is that true? Oh, no. No, those are great. Um, in fact, there's not a lot of, of, of limits. Obviously, uh, you know, drugs, alcohol, those sorts of things. If you're not normally mailing it, you probably shouldn't mail it to a service member. But <laughs> Although they else, probably appreciate mm, it. We do. Uh, <laughs> a little Jack Daniels. You know what, what matters the most sometimes is the uh, the note that oftentimes people will, will put it. in there. And just a note saying, you know, thank you. And uh, that's that carries home much more so than, than anything else they could put in there is just that note of saying thanks and uh, it really hits home to read that and understand that someone put this together for you. Uh, no matter what's in there, that's uh, that means a lot to them. And for the teachers out there, a couple of years ago when we were doing this, we had the kids write notes to the military, and we put those notes in the care packages. Those are the best care mm-hmm. packages we receive, absolutely by far. <laughs> uh, notes from from little from, ones, from little ones, and drawings. That's right. The, especially the drawings of the airplanes. That's right. So, <laughs> those are phenomenal. Okay. If you're going to give advice to a youth because you've got a youth program coming up, what advice would you give to a youth? Uh, I would, same advice I would give to most of our airmen is to find a mentor, a mentor of a person to help figure out um, what you want to do in the future, kind of give you a pathway, and then get open to opportunities like you were talking about earlier. Uh, or actually what Colonel Mills was talking about earlier is finding some way to serve and then understanding um, serving gives you opportunities to learn discipline and, and mentorship and leadership in your community. And then I think if you do those things, it helps uh, chart a, uh, a pathway for you in the future. Just getting involved so you'll have a plan. Get involved. Mm-hmm. And there are so many organizations out there to help youth and they're free. Help youth get involved. Keep them busy. If they're too busy to get in trouble that's a good thing so get involved with with your uh, youth what does the fire department have for youth as far as getting involved do you have anybody volunteering for you um so so we don't really do volunteer as much as starbase like i mean sometimes they'll 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 come in and volunteer but um i mean it's oh, always open to that of course so and and we we certainly recommend it um, my my personal advice is to any youth to just have a plan. Have, have a plan. Have a plan in life. No, it doesn't have to be fire. Find something you love and pursue it. And go after it. Mm. Absolutely. Colonel Mills, Chief Counsel, New York Mike, I want to thank you all. <laughs> Randy, thanks for bringing your son. <laughs> I want to thank you all for coming on the show. And enjoy the air show next week. Shop local and stay safe. 
Law Matters Live show opens the lines of communication between you and law enforcement. On our next show, ATF Special Agent in Charge, Iber, joins our conversation. Hi, this is Sherry asking you to help sponsor our mission by contributing to Law Matters on GoFundMe.com. Every dollar counts, and together we can back the blue while we keep the conversation going. Law Matters podcast can be found on iTunes, Google Play, and lawmatters1030.org.